0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وافضل الصلاة واتم تسليم على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اجمعين سبحانك لا علمنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت لعال الحكيم ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم So we are progressing through This work, Riyadat al Sabyan, translated as Educating Children, Classical Advice for Modern Times. And we've reached page 93 of the translation. And inshallah ta'ala, I believe we have three more sessions, including this one, before Ramadan. And so we should be able to get through the entire text. So as you can see that the bulk of the book we've we've taken and uh, we should be able to get through uh, the entire text by the end of that third session. bi Ta'ala. And this is the easy part, is spending the time learning these principles. The hard part is putting them into practice daily, regularly. One of the most important things of all for children, and for tarbiyah of any sort, any type of nurturing, any type of inculcating virtue in anyone, is consistency. One of the most important things of all is consistency. And kids are masters at picking up on inconsistency. They know very well how to get their way, What it is it that they need to do. And if they see a consistent response from their parents, with something in particular, they'll adjust. And they might try to approach the other parent. Or they might take the opportunity of grandma and grandpa visiting. Or they might take the opportunity if they're in public and they know that their parents aren't going to respond in a certain way. Kids are very smart. They know how it is to achieve what it is that they want. So, inshallah, this section that we're going to take today is subtitled Good Manners. This is really about good character, and the whole text itself really is about etiquettes of, of different sorts, of course, but particularly now he's going to speak about two very important traits that a child should have, and by extension, of course, adults, so in this that we're learning ourselves first and foremost, and these are the traits of Tawalda, of humility, and what's called Tarkatama not desiring what other people have. So, the author says, وليلزيمه وليلزيمه So that translates as, make him adhere to humility, and to not covet all that appears to him. For covetousness is one of the greatest afflictions. I relate this from the trustworthy ones. So, Zimuhu. What he's really saying here is, this is something that we should teach to be a core part of how a child carries themselves. They're humble. And I'll look at some of the beautiful statements that the scholars have produced for humility. And then we'll try to circle back around so we have a correct conception of it. Because oftentimes in our society, humility is associated with weakness. And humility is one of the greatest virtues of all. And it is far from weakness. Humility is strength. However, we have to have the correct conception of humility. Humility is not weakness. Humility does not mean... We let other people pick on us. It doesn't mean that we let other people push us around. And humility does not mean that we lower ourselves before people we shouldn't lower ourselves before, outwardly. So we'll come to that. So the word in Arabic is and it comes from the trilateral root which is to place something. And so by virtue of placing something, you're putting it in a place usually that is low, so it's just putting something down, literally. And it can also then come to mean this idea of lowering yourself. And it's, we speak of it in the sense of lowering the wing of humility. And then Tawalda is this great virtue uh, that we call humility in English. And so how is it defined? Many of them say... It's defined as tahkir al-nafs wa Both of which mean in Arabic, the translation of which is um, lowering yourself and demeaning it. But for the sake of lowering itself? No. Binisbati In relation to the greatness of Allah ta'ala. So the essence of humility is realizing this trait is not yours. The trait of Alvama of greatness, is not yours. Allah is Al A'zim. We are the Da'if, we are the weak, we are the Dhalil, we are the lowly, we are the person who deserves, is poor, faqir, and impoverished before Allah. جل so the essence of humility is realizing. Greatness belongs to Allah. It is Allah who we want everyone to praise. And so, just as for those that were taking part in Firm Foundations, all of the core diseases of the heart are you're trying to share in a trait that's not really yours. Likewise, the core virtues, you are carrying yourself in a way so that what is in reality belongs to only belonging to Allah ta'ala is that you carry yourself so that that manifests so in relation to humility humility is our reality is that we can't do anything without Allah jalla jalalu greatness belongs to him subhanahu wa ta'ala so if anyone thinks that they're great they're deluded even if people in the world are telling them they're great even if they've achieved and they've succeeded in the world. Someone is not great unless Allah makes them great. Allah can make someone great, but in and of themselves are not great. It's only Allah making them great. So learning to see through this is very, very important. Um, and then another definition which tells us the effect, which teaches us the effect of having humility states الخلق, accepting truth with good character so if you're a person of humility you'll be able to accept truth from anyone you'll be able to even accept a correction from your own child you'll be able to accept a correction from your own enemy you'll be just even what people you dislike say about you any criticism that people say about you, you'll think about it. Hmm. Okay, there's elements of truth in that. Okay, I need to work on this and that. Humility allows you to be able to accept truth with good character because the vast majority of people might accept truth only from certain people. In other people, nah, nah, not that person. And this is a shortcoming because we should be people who accept truth from Anyone. And then our Prophet ﷺ emphasized Attawadu La Yazidul Abda illa rifatan. Humility will only increase a servant in loftiness. Rifa'ah is having a lofty state. Fatawaldao. So then there's a command. So be humble, yarfa'aakum Allah. And Allah will raise you. Why? Because this is treating even in that time, during the time of the Prophet, ﷺ and throughout the centuries from before the time of the Prophet so said, and after, humility is not considered to be a, 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 a trait that the vast majority of worldly people want to attain. Worldly people usually have the opposite of humility. And it's very rare, actually, to find someone who's very famous or very successful having this trait of humility. It's very rare. And anyone that's been exposed to different people that excel in whatever field uh, that they are in will know that this is certainly the case. There's very few people who value this trait of humility. And only recently are we finding books that come out in terms of management and so forth about how the ego is the true enemy and the importance of humility and so forth. And ultimately, these are religious teachings that are being appropriated for the business world and to bring about business, because they realize they work. The traits work. There's, it, it's, it's better for everybody, and in every way, even in the worldly sense, for people to be <laughs> humble. And there's a lot of good that comes, even in a worldly sense, from people having these virtues. No. And then we have a more spiritual, kind of like a definition of it. And this is from Abu Yazid al-Baslami. As long as a servant thinks there is someone in creation that is more evil than he, he's a person of arrogance. And so really a person of humility thinks they're the worst person on earth. Now it's important to clarify here because when you talk like this, People that have taken like a modern psychology class, let alone have uh, like done a minor or have a, uh, you know, their major was psychology or have done a postgraduate degree in psychology, they'll be confused by this because they'll think that that means that you just carry yourself in a way where you're just kind of flopping around and they'll just walk all over me. No, this is an internal way of viewing yourself. Outwardly, we've already said this the Muslim, a Muslim male and a Muslim female is confident, dignified. We carry ourselves in an appropriate manner outwardly that both Muslim men and Muslim women in this crazy world in which we live, when we are in the public sphere, we should walk very confidently. We should be dignified. We should be very firm. We should be well-spoken. We should be and all of these other traits that we should have. And none of that negates humility. Humility is a trait of the heart. It doesn't mean that you walk around right, like this. You can carry yourself in a dignified fashion. But internally you're very humble. And then depending upon what happens to you, you depending upon the circumstances that you are put in, will determine whether you're truly humble or not. Because your humility will be tested. And one example is the example of Um, the example of uh, that accepting the truth and another example there's many other examples in fact but some other examples relate to how it is that we view other people so you're waiting in line and if you really think that you're better than someone and then they open up a check stand next here and that person gets to go before you if you're an arrogant person you're going to be troubled by that. That person goes before me? Or, oftentimes, it's based upon some type of social distinction. Wealth. And, unfortunately, sometimes it's based upon the color of someone's skin. Oftentimes, people are put in situations where their humility will really come out. If we are truly humble people, no matter what situation that we will put in, we'll never respond from a position of arrogance. And so... This internally is very important. We're not supposed to think we're better than anyone, and the point of mention here is we're actually supposed to teach our children this. And Imam Ghazali, we're going to study this in al Hidayah. He gives us a way to think about this, and so he says that if you see someone who's younger than you, there's no way that you can actually have arrogance in relation to that person. Why? Because you don't know. I've lived longer, I have more sins than that person does. That person hasn't lived as long as I have. They don't have as many sins. If you see someone older, I haven't done as many good works as that person. They've lived all those years, look at all the good works they've done. How can I reach that person's rank when they have more good works than I have? He says, even if you see someone who's assy, someone in a state of disobedience, so you could see someone who's a profligate, They're not a good Muslim You cannot think you're better than that person At all Because you actually don't know You could be committing sins In your heart that no one knows about That are much more severe Than anything they're doing outwardly Like arrogance, like showing off So forth and so on Or like having a misunderstanding About Allah, no one knows about it But that sin is actually greater With Allah Ta'ala than the sins That this person is committing. so you don't know and he says here, even the kafir, even the disbeliever, you cannot think you're better than anyone, even a disbeliever. Yes, belief is superior to disbelief, no doubt. Iman is superior to kufr. of course. We have to establish that. But in an individual, belief is like a trait. And the proof of that is, And so what we actually dislike is we actually dislike the trait, not the essence of the person. Because if the trait changes, i.e. they become a believer, then all of a sudden things change. And the point here is traits can change. And oftentimes these things are hidden to our eye. And so even the disbeliever, you don't know. You don't know, one, if you're going to die in a state of belief or not. And maybe your belief is stripped from you and you die in a greater state of disbelief even than the disbeliever. Or maybe the disbeliever that is granted faith and dies on faith and he exceeds you in rank. We don't know. So these are things that we we have to instill in our children. Is that we do not discriminate between anyone. And if you do this from an early age where you teach them to love humanity... Because Allah created them And you be very open with them And you say yes that we are Muslim Yes that we have certain beliefs But we love all of humanity From the standpoint that Allah created them And yes some other religious people Have flaws in the way that they think about Allah In relation to what they believe and we should eventually when they get older in order, Clarify those Because they're going to be exposed to this They're going to ask those questions actually quite early why do people have different religions? How do we understand? And so we can't waffle on it. No. Islam is the deen of truth. Islam is the deen of truth. We have we be very firm about that. And we teach them that this is the deen of truth and this is the deen that will be a means for you to draw near to Allah. Other religions have been abrogated, distorted and abrogated. So we have to teach them. But at the same time, we have to also teach them to treat everybody kindly and to have etiquette. And to never think that we're better than other people. And one of the amazing stories is Saint al-Khattab, when he was Caliph, Amr ibn al-As was his governor in Egypt. And the son of Amr ibn al-As raced one of the sons of the head Coptic Christians of the area. And Amr ibn al-As' son lost in the horse race. And so, because he was the son of the governor, he smacked the son of the Coptic Christian in the face. He says, how are you going to beat me when I'm the son of the Akramin, when I'm the son of the great governor? And this, the, the man who beat him in the race told his father. And then his father wrote Omar ibn al-Khattab about what happened. When the letter reached Omar bin al-Khattab, he summoned Amr ibn al-As and his son, and the Coptic Christian, the, 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 the noble from the, the, uh, the leader from the Coptic Christians, and his son. He summoned them all to him and he says, If this letter reaches you, he says, set out for Medina immediately and don't hesitate any bit. So they all came. And Amr al-Khattab asked them what happened after he confirmed the situation that he told the son of the Coptic man, he said, slap him in the face. And so he gave him retribution. So he let him slap him. And then he said, the only reason that you did this was because you were the son of the governor. And then St. Omar took his sword and he circled it above his head. Which in those times was a humiliating thing to do. Basically, like if you want, I'll cut your head off. I mean, that's probably not what it really meant. But it's like, basically, I have power over you. In other words, don't think, because it, and it's a humiliating thing to do. What he's saying is, don't think because you're the son of the governor that you could do these things. Look at that. Amazing story of justice. And what emanated from a type of arrogance, that, oh, I'm the son of the governor, so I can do A, B, and C. No. If we're just, even if it's our own child who did something like that, we'll put them in their place. And this is the whole point of this. This is directed towards children. We introduce them to these meanings. Our children should be very comfortable in all different types of neighborhoods. Whether it's a suburban neighborhood or an urban neighborhood. Whether it's inner city or whether that it's in a, that area where people are living in luxury. Our children should be comfortable in all different types of areas. They should be comfortable with all different types of people. They should have proper adab too When they're speaking to educated people People that have status in society They know how to speak They know how to carry themselves And they should know how to speak to people on the street They should be able to know the situation they're in And carry themselves accordingly And I believe it to be from the sunnah of our Prophet To be able to relate to everybody The Prophet could relate to everybody The lowest person in society in people's minds And the highest of people in society in people's minds. And not always were the lowest people in society actually the lowest. Many times they were actually the highest with Allah and vice versa. Sometimes the highest people in society, quote unquote, were actually the lowest. And so what's really important is taqwa. And that's what impressed our Prophet was taqwa. The people that we should want to be around are the people of taqwa. The people that we should honor are the people of taqwa. And to get beyond these distinctions, and so this is very, very important. We have to be proactive in this, if our children are going to be raised the way that they should. And unfortunately, this is a major problem still in the United States of America. And I would, I'm not going to say it's of course Muslims think that we're immune to these things. I would even go as far to say, especially in the Muslim community. Sometimes there's more racism in the Muslim community than there is outside the Muslim community, unfortunately. These are problems in the Muslim community that we have to recognize and call out. And there's no way that we're going to be able to fulfill our duty here in the United States of America if we're caught up with all of these different types of distinctions. We should see to the extent possible beyond the distinctions. And again, people are people. People are going to fall short. But... We recognize when we fall short and we don't claim that that's the Deen. The Prophet would have related to everybody. Everybody. Young, old, poor, wealthy, highly regarded, disregarded in society. <coughs> the people that care about, the people that aren't cared about, the people that people want to be like, the people that people don't want to be like. The Prophet cared about everybody and was there for everybody and had a relationship with all different types of people in his society <coughs> And everybody... Had access to him. So just think about now our deen here in this country, how many problems it stems from, the problems that are existing in the country's history itself. That we have to recognize this is the soil in which we are living, and do the very best that we can to make sure that we adhere to the teachings of our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So we should teach our children to never think they're better than anyone. Ever. And we should go through this with them and actually test them on this. Are we better? Could you be better than this person? What about this? What about it? Get them to think about this that, oh, actually, I can't think that I'm better. And then you should even go further to say, we can't even have arrogance towards an animal because we don't know if we're better than an animal. If we die, and don't cross the bridge over hell, and we fall into the pit of hell, animals that disappear are better than us. So we actually don't know if we're better than animals, or even inanimate objects. And so, everything that has been narrated about the virtue of humility is simultaneously a condemnation of its opposite, which is kibur. So arrogance or haughtiness, pride, is the opposite of humility. And the essential definition of pride, of course, is also the opposite. It's where you think that you're better than people. It's where you try to achieve and seek praise that's not really due to you that should be due to Allah and then it leads to things like belittling people looking down on people and rejecting truth one of the the main reasons people reject truth is because of their arrogance and there's so much of that in the society ya latif we live in a very very arrogant society and that modern man in general in general and the architects of the modern world, the vast majority of them really believe that they're the best people who've ever walked on the face of this, the most sophisticated people who've ever walked on the face of this earth, and so forth and so on. And so we are dealing with very arrogant people. Not everybody you meet in the street, but I'm talking about the people that are really behind the way things work in the modern world. And so it's very important that we understand how humility relates to being around these type of people. And they actually go into great detail. We should teach our children to never lower themselves in front of a wealthy person. To never lower themselves in front of a politician. To never lower themselves in front of someone famous. We should teach our children this. We have maintain our dignity in all different states. Even if we be poor, even if the, we don't have much even if we are from a very simple background, it doesn't matter. We never lower ourselves before someone wealthy. And nor do we respect them simply for their wealth. And it doesn't mean that we are rude to them, but it means we carry ourselves with dignity. Whereas the vast majority of people, they act very differently around famous people. They act very differently around wealthy people. They act very differently around... Politicians. And yes, to a certain degree, منزيلهم, You're supposed to interact with people based upon how they are in society. So to a certain degree, that's acceptable and from the sunnah of our Prophet but not to the extent where you lower yourself. Okay, And so that, that um, it might be that if you have certain guests, because of the distinction of those guests, you... Prepare more than other guests. Come on. There's no problem in that. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a minor regard for social distinctions. But not to the point where you just do whatever it is that they want to do. Or you lose your dean in the process. So we have to teach our children this. And when they go to get a job, when they are in school, when they are out in society, when they are taking care of their needs and going into a store, or whatever else... Mixing with people They're going to be at gatherings Of social gatherings of different types They're going to meet people That throughout their life They should carry themselves with dignity And um, subhanAllah I remember when I first met The man that I became Muslim Was Shaykh Khutri Al-Bayba He's one of the most dignified people I've ever seen in my entire life I would even call him regal And actually His family was poor They didn't have a lot of money. They were very poor. They did not have a lot of money. He told me that when he was studying up till eight years old, they didn't even have clothes for the children. They were so poor. He never had a pair of sandals during his time that he studied. But if you would have met him, and you would have walked next to him on the street, you would have felt he was a king. You would have thought he was a king. Literally, you would have thought he was a king because he was so regal. Because he realized is that he had the izzah of Islam. And he realized that, that his, his pride was in his being a servant of Allah. If we have pride, the only pride that we can have is in the fact that we are Abdullah. We take pride in the fact that we are servants of Allah. And for him, you could have brought the President of the United States before him. And he would have spoken to him just as he spoke to that the person walking by him on the street. He could just see all, see through these social distinctions. And we have amazing stories, amazing stories of the <coughs> companions of Rasulullah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The companion that was sent to an emperor and he walks in with his staff that was pointy. So it was puncturing these nice, that... Um, sheets and carpets that were laid out when he's going up to the king. And then that he says to him, we are a people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has that gifted us with islam. And we are here to take people to worship the one who deserves to be worshipped and to take them away from that which does not deserve to be worshipped and so forth and so on. The famous story. But the point is, is that this is how the companions were. They had izzah. And they really, really, whether they're speaking to a king or a simple people, it was the same. Now, we ourselves don't even implement that to the degree that we should. So how are we going to give it to our children? At least we have to know that that's the way it should be and strive our best to maintain a standard. And sometimes, especially with arrogant people, whether they be a politician or whether they be a wealthy businessman or whoever, uh, someone who just looks down upon a certain person because of their religion, because of their skin color, because of their social economic background, whatever it is, you carry yourself with izzah. And you carry yourself with dignity and honor. And you be firm. And we should teach our children to not let anybody push them around. And nor should they be spoken to in an ill manner. It doesn't mean that we let our children speak back right, and say the wrong thing. But speaking back firmly is fine. Now, if people criticize, you don't criticize them back. But you just let them know what you're saying is unacceptable. And you carry yourself in a dignified fashion. And then you separate yourself from the situation. Um, This is very, very important. And we need to train our children in this and have conversations with them. So when they are in those situations, they will know the right thing to do. So then he talks about tamar. And tamar is covetousness, desiring what people have. And it's one of the most humiliating traits of all. And it's something that we should teach our children not to have, not desire things of this world and to desire what other people have. And um, there's practical ways of doing this. And teaching them that the vanishing, perishing nature of this world, having open conversations with them about it, and that teaching them that our true state with Allah Ta'ala is not based upon anything that it is that we have, teaching them to appreciate what it is that they do have and to show gratitude for it. All of this uh, will, will protect them and in general... We should teach them it's better to be on the giving end than on the receiving end. And of course, it's fine to accept gifts, unless that you feel in someone giving you that gift, you or عليك, to like, sometimes people give, and they give to almost like subjugate you. Like, like you are taking, I'm the one giving. There's some people who give like that. And if that's the case, it's better not to accept that gift. If someone's giving a gift out of muhabbah tahadu, tahabu, our Prophet said, give gifts to each other and you'll come to love one another. Right? Giving gifts is very important it's from the sunnah of our Prophet Because if you give someone a gift, it means that you're thinking about them and it brings the hearts together and it's, that does a lot to that help people um, function in society in the way that they should be functioning. Uh, But if you feel someone's giving you a gift and their intention is not the right intention, either don't accept it or take it and then give it to someone. Um, But instilling in our children that not desiring what everyone else has. And this is something our children are going to be exposed to because there are certain people that will be able to have certain phones at certain ages. And sometimes that we can't afford certain things for our children. Sometimes uh, we don't want our children to have certain things. And um in general, we should be very careful about this. Or in, and sometimes we ob- we actually reinforce it when we drive by certain homes that are really nice. Wow, that's such a really nice house and you no know, the sunnah of our Prophet is that especially in the Ihram but in general that when you look at dunya, Allahumma aish illa aish al-akhirah. Oh Allah, there's no life except the life of the afterlife. You think that house is nice? Even the biggest mansion in this dunya. What is it compared to the very last person who entered into paradise? Yani it's like nothing. The last person who enters into paradise will have all of the different types of enjoyment in the world times 10. So, what is a house? What is a, the nicest house with everything you could possibly want in it? So we should not reinforce that frame where we show them like we're so impressed by Dunya, lah. Right? It should be the same to us, whether we are in a one-bedroom hole with a one-bedroom home or apartment or whatever with roaches. We should be the exact same way that we are as if we are in a mansion. We should be the same. And that's one of the amazing things that I that I've seen from my teachers when. That our teacher Sayyid Habib Omar came in 2011, and one of the things that we were adamant about was every time that we went to a more a wealthier neighborhood, we'd also go to that a place in the inner city as well. So we tried to balance it to give equal access. And it was he was actually more comfortable and in a more state of bust, which is like where his he's, his heart was more expanded in. The inner city, lower income areas than he was in the nicer areas. He was actually more comfortable where people usually are less comfortable. And these are the true people of Allah. They're not like us where dunya brings them comfort. For them, what brings them comfort is that something that is not from this world, the source of their comfort is different. And It relates to their state with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then closely related to this is what he says, and also from love of gold and silver he should be warned against it, for it is an affliction. That he should be warned against it. For it is an affliction greater than murderous poison, and as such, the right judgment is to keep the child away from them and What he means by this is we don 't instil in our children from the time that young guys so many people do right It used to be a millionaire that was back in the day where a million dollars was actually a lot of money, and it 's still a lot of money, but nowadays people want to be multimillionaires and then duh, 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 and this whole idea of oh i got to get money, I want to do. No, this is not what we should instill in our children. And there are so many parents that do this. I've actually seen fathers panic when their children wanted to go into the humanities because he was so worried about how his son was going to take care of him when he's older. You're going to be a historian? My God, right? Like, literally panic. You're not going to be a doctor or an engineer or this or that or own your own business where you can take care of me when I'm older. And panic sets in. And this is a problem. We have to have in of ourselves the correct perspective. And we have to teach our children that work is a part of life. Especially for young men. They need to be responsible and they need to take care of a household. And in many situations in the, the United States, that it's also important for women to work to help out the household. And we have to put everything in its proper place and raise both men and women in the appropriate way, but with the right perspective. What is the whole intention behind work? What is the whole intention behind having wealth? And what is our view of wealth? If you, if you reach this topic with them time and time again, from the time that they're young, they won't, be a, they won't be impacted. But there are so many parents that just... And they don't say it, but everything about them is actually saying it. In terms of how they approach everything that it is they do at every step. Uh, and in the end, if someone's making a lot of money, they're considered to be so successful. How is that a sign of success? It's not a sign of success. And that the sign of success is taqwa of Allah Jalla, Jalla. And it would be much better for someone to um, have a job that they do with their hands and just get by... Than to work for many of these corporations where their income would be halal, uh, haram, even if they're making three hundred, five hundred thousand dollars a year. So this is how he says. He says it's a greater affliction than murderous poison. Now, at this other, at the same time, that we don't teach them to just rely upon other people. No, we teach them that working is important, and we teach them it's not a noble thing to accept from other people. And this is very much a part of the Muslim character and that there are so many beautiful stories of Muslims that migrate to this country with nothing as refugees. But when they come, they work hard. And that's important that we should teach. It's not working, is not dunya. Having a job is not dunya. Yes, it's a part of the dunya. But it's not dunya in the negative sense where we... Just want our kids to just be lazy. No, our kids should work. We should teach them the importance of work. And we should start with chores and other things like that and so forth and so on. Uh, And there's something to be said for being able to hold down a job and to be on time and to maintain a job and to not do things that will get you fired and so forth. It tells you a lot about a person if they're able to do that. Okay, so I think we have... mm, Wow, how did time fly like that? I want to just cover a little bit more. So you can read, if you have the book, from pages 93 to 98, where we'll go into a little bit more. It will uh, treat some of what we've already uh, discussed, and so that there'll be some more that you can benefit from there as well. So I want to cover this this other section as well. So this is subtitled Behavior with Peers so he says ويكرم الاخوان بالتأدب وكل من عاشره من صاحبي ويني للذي يأتيه مجلسه الذي استقر فيه ويكرم الواسر بالقيام لنه من أدب الكرام ويستمع كلام كل عاقلي ويحسن الإصغاء لقول قائل لا يفتخر بمطعم ومشربي لا ولا بشيء صار من ملك الأبي ثُمَّ الْيَعُظَّمْ غَايَةَ لِعْظَامِ مَنْ كَانَ مِنَ وَالْوَالِدَيْنِ الْكُلَّ There's a lot of lines, but it's, it's very straightforward. So he should treat his brothers with good manners. Literally, he should honor them. And also those he lives with or accompanies. And he should make space for whomever wishes to sit in the gathering he attends. Okay, so the first one, the greatest way that you can honor those that you spend time with, your friends, your companions, is by having adab. This is The greatest way that you can honor them is by having adab. And then, in the other meanings of ikram, we should teach our children, if we have the ability to do so financially, to give them a little bit of extra money so that they can pay for their friends. So that they can uh, that buy someone a gift. We should try to instill this, and we as parents should. And if, if they ever come to us and say, hey, can I, can I have a little bit of money to give so-and-so a gift? We should absolutely. If we're ever going to give, that's when we should give. And um, it's, we should do our best to instill in them gift-giving and generosity and um, that honoring that people in general and um, that this is something that is very important. And... That they should make space for whoever wishes to sit in the gathering he attends. So either literally making space, we should instruct them. That if you're ever sitting down and someone walks in the room, you make space. This is a Quranic command. O you who believe, if it is said to you that make space in the gatherings, make space and Allah will make space for you. And um, this is also, if for instance, they're, they're with their friends and then someone just comes in, we should teach them. Make sure you welcome the newcomer. If someone just moved into the neighborhood, make sure you go out of your way to make them feel welcome. If someone just moved into the community, make sure that you include them in when you go do things and things of that nature. We should instill in them not to be like the opposite that sometimes happens where people come, become very cliquish. They're kind of just with their best friend and kind of leave everyone else. And look at the beauty of our Dean. If there's three people present and if you speak secretly to someone, it's actually haram. It's actually haram. Because how's that person going to feel? There's three people present, you're just speaking to this person. It's actually haram. Because you're putting you're hurting that person's feelings, and he might think that you're thinking about them, you're saying things about him or whatever. If there's more people in the room, it's fine to have a conversation with just but. In general, what I've noticed from the Kiram and the Mashiach specifically, whenever they're in a gathering, they always give everybody proper attention. And even though they might want to have a conversation with one or two people, they make sure that everybody's addressed, everybody's spoken to, everybody is given their right. And again, we should instill this in children. And then, he should honor the one who enters by standing, for these are the manners of the noble ones, you will hear people say that you're not supposed to stand up for other people and so forth. Um, and um, that has a. There's specific instances where that might be the case. But in general, Imam, Imam Al Nawi actually has a book about it, At Tarhis Bid Qiyam, The Permissibility of Standing, for the people of honor and distinction from the people of Islam. So he has a book where he speaks about this, and especially if someone is older than you, than the child, or that they're a distinguished person of some sort, they're a family member, they're a scholar, they're an elder in the community, we should teach our children, if that person walks in the room, they don't just sit there and stay on their phone and that's it. No, they should know, and if they don't, a look should be enough. They should know what that look means. You're supposed to stand up. And they should be taught to be aware of this. This is a part of adab. Um, and that also, <coughs> he mentions in the commentary, it's recommended, and this is also, it can get back to a cultural thing. So this is not like the only hukam shari, the only legal ruling of this. But at least in the Shafi school, um, it's recommended to kiss the hand of someone from the family of the prophet a scholar your your uh, and and your parent your, uh, one of your parents or family older family members and just an elderly person it's actually recommended to kiss their hand and 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 for certain people uh, like with scholars the head and that could also apply to like elderly... So um, now I know this, there is in the Muslim world, it's not always implemented. So in Tarim where I studied, this is very much a part of their society where they actually put the hadith of the Prophet in practice. It says the hak of the older brother over the younger brother is like the haq of the father over the son. So whenever, and I've m- multiple occasions, I've been in gatherings where a younger brother will walk into the room And he'll always start with his father. And he'll walk in immediately and kiss the hand of his father. And then he'll greet everybody from the right, going around to the right. And any of his older brothers, he kisses their hand. Now I know for us Americans that grew up here and converted, it's kind of like, oh, kissing the hand of my older brother or sister. That seems weird, right? Um, But it's adab, subhanAllah. And um, again, these things aren't obligations, but they're good things. It's, it's a good thing for the child to be taught to kiss the hand of the mother and father. To be taught to kiss the hand of a scholar. And again, we implement that at the right time in the right place. It's not too common amongst Muslims uh, in the United States of America. Uh, but one of the reasons it's not common is because, well, in general, having adab is not, is not, is not too common amongst Muslims in the United States of America. So he should listen to the speech of every intelligent one and lend a goodly ear to the speech of the speaker. So as our children get older, it's time for them to start listening. So sometimes in our gatherings, young men and young girls that are at the age they should be sitting there sneak off, and who knows what they do with their phones and anything else, that we need the community to enforce that. If you see anyone at an age that is old enough to sit and listen, we should all tell them, shouldn't you be in there? right? Gently and lovingly. And maybe someone's just bothered by someone, maybe they're having a bad day, Let's leave them. Do it with mercy, and don't force people. But in general, we should mutually reinforce. And I'm pleading with you with my own children to please do that. If my children do that. Because part of the problem is that, anyhow, that... Please, if you see my children that not listening where they should be listening, tell them, I oh, know you should be inside. And hopefully they'll listen and then get inside. And listen carefully. We should be like that openly with the other people's children. Now when they're young, it's different. Right? And that's something we're still working with, how to find that balance between children of different ages in the gatherings. And we'll work that out, biithni Ta'ala. And the foundation is everybody's welcome. And then Allahumma, we have to have mura'ah and be careful about So there has to be certain considerations of different parts of different types of gatherings and so forth, so that everyone can take part in the gathering, but at the same time, others not be disturbed. So everything has its time, and everything has to be with balance. Um, But um, that's something we still have to figure out here. Um, But anyhow, um, once they reach a certain age, they should listen. And they should be taught, when people are speaking to listen, and listening is actually a skill. It's actually really hard to listen. You have to be taught the skill of listening. And then he should not boast about his food or drink or any of the possessions of his father. We should forbid our children from boasting. And we need to be very careful when they get their new pair of basketball shoes or their new pair of basketball shorts or a jersey or whatever, something else, some other gift of some sort. They have to be, we have to be very careful And how it is that they act with that blessing. We have to teach them the du'a that they're supposed to say if it's clothing. We have to teach them to appreciate it. And this is very important. If they get new things, and they're just throwing it around or leaving it, right? No. If you have things, you should respect them. You should respect them. And you should take care of your things. And um, if they, out of neglect, one of the things that they have, of course, this is as they get to a certain age, um, there should be consequences as a result to teach them to appreciate what it is that they do have. And then, but he should show the utmost respect to those people of status and parents and all the teachers and family through lineage or marriage. It's very important that we teach our kids to have respect. Respect of parents, respect of teachers, respect of family, uh, people that have entered into, uh, become family through marriage. Uh, It's very important that we teach our kids to respect other people. And again, you don't have to be best friends with everyone. And we all know how it is with extended families. And sometimes even within, you know, closer relatives within a family. Uh, Sometimes there's issues. Sometimes things are difficult. Family trips, family visits, family vacations aren't always easy. And especially for those of us that have family members that are not Muslim. But sometimes it's actually even more difficult for People that have family members that are Muslim And sometimes there's actually more respect From family members that are actually not Muslim Sometimes And it, it just really depends But in, nevertheless, in all situations Our children should have a standard Of respecting people of distinction Whatever that distinction might be Teachers, authority in general we're not people that, that just are just about bringing down all authority. There's nothing... We should respect firemen. We should respect that teachers. We should respect um, that, uh, you know, if you're in a position in work and there's a person who's in a position of authority, we should respect them without letting them manipulate us and to uh, mistreat us or anything like that, but finding that balance So, I think that should be enough, inshallah. Tada, apologies for going a little bit over. Are there any uh, brief questions before we call it a day? I have a question. Uh, Is there a specific du'a to recite for uh, children to give up certain habits or certain behavior that's not permissible with the sacred law? Yeah. Um, I don't know of a a specific uh, du'a for that, no. but uh, in, in general, I would just encourage them to say some of the, the general du'as. Okay. Du'as that are of a general nature, or turning to Allah in whatever language they speak, uh, with their heart, just asking Allah Ta'ala with ilhah, with repetition, turning to Him constantly for it. And the website, please, uh, uh, for gender specific, for go- girls, girls. Is that that which do I is that sorry I'm not familiar with it I think I, I just read it I don't the, the